chapter sixty eight of the maid of scar this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org the maid of scar by r d blackmore chapter sixty eight the old pitcher at the well again it helps a thoughtless man on his road towards a better kingdom to get a glimpse every now and then of such visitations of the lord when i was a little boy nothing did me so much good in almost all the bible as to hear my father read the way in which herod was eaten of worms and now in mature years i received quite a serious turn by the death of this parson chown of ignominious canine madness and still more when i came to know by what condign parental justice this visitation smote him but while the women were busy upstairs by candlelight and with some weeping it fell to parson rambone's lot to lay the truth before us this great man took at once to captain rodney bluett as if he had known him for years nor did he fail to remember me and in his distress to seek some comfort from my simple wisdom so having packed all the country boobies constables doctors and so on out of the house we barred the door made a bright fire in the kitchen and sat down in front of it while a nice cook began to toss up some sweetbreads and eggs and ham collops and so on for our really now highly necessary sustenance you may remember the time i met with a very nice fellow then chowne's head-groom who gave me a capital supper of tripe elegantly stewed by a young cook-maid himself lamenting the stress laid upon him by circumstances not to make his wife of her he told me then with a sigh of affection between his knife and fork that social duties compelled him instead to marry a publican's daughter with fifty pounds down on the nail he believed if it was a penny nevertheless he felt confident that all would be ordered aright in the end now providence had not allowed such a case of faith to pass unrewarded he married the publican's daughter got her money and paid the last sad duties to her out of the pocket of his father-in-law in a christian-minded manner and then back he came to nympton rectory and wedded that same cookmaid who now was turning our ham so cleverly with the egg slice thus we could speak before them both without the least constraint and indeed he helped us much by his knowledge of the affairs of the family also two justices of the peace who had signed the warrant for poor chowne's end upon the report of the doctors but could find no one of strength and courage to carry it out except parson jack these sat with us to get their supper before the long cold ride over the moors and there sat parson jack himself with his thick hands trembling hopeless of eating a morsel but dreading to be left alone for a moment what a difference it will make in all this neighbourhood to be sure so said one of their worships ay that it will answered his brother magistrate 
since tom faggus died there's not been such a man to be found nowhere round these here parts no nor tom faggus himself said the other a noble highwayman he were but for mine not fit to hold a candle to our lamented friend now lying up there in the counterpane parson jack shuddered and shook his great limbs and feigned to have done so on purpose and then in defiance collected himself and laid his iron hand on the table watching every great muscle to see how long he could keep it from trembling then i arose and grasped his hand for nobody else understood him at all and he let me take it with reluctance wonder and then deep gratitude he had been saying to himself as i knew though his lips never moved and his face was set in scorn of all our moralizing within himself he had been thinking i am jack ketch i am worse i am cain i have murdered my own dear brother and i who had seen him brand his bitten arm with the red-hot poker laying the glowing iron on until the blood hissed out at it i alone could gauge the strength of heart that now enabled him to answer my grasp with his poor scorched arm and to show his great tears and check them enough of this i cannot stand these melancholy subjects a man of irreproachable life with a tendency towards gaiety never must allow his feelings to play ducks and drakes with him if the justice of the almighty fell upon chowne as i said it would let chowne die and let us hope that his soul was not past praying for it is not my place to be wretched because the biggest villain i ever knew showed his wit by dying of a disease which gave him power to snap at the very devil when in the fullness of time he should come thirsting to lay hold of him and but for my purpose of proving how purely justice does come home to us well contented would i be to say no more about him why had he been such a villain through life because he was an impostor why did he die of rabid madness under the clutch of his own best friend because he lashed his favourite hound to fly at the throat of his own grandfather not only does it confirm one's faith in the honesty of breeding but it enables me to acquit all the chowns of devonshire and a fine and wholesome race they are of ever having produced such a scamp in true course of legitimacy also enables me not to point out so much as to leave all my readers to think of the humble yet undeniable traces of old davy's sagacity what had i said to mrs steelyard when she overbore me so upon an empty stomach madam i said your son you mean and it proved to be one of my famous hits at a range beyond that of other men when great stirs happen truth comes out as an earthquake starts the weasels everybody knows what fine old age those wandering gipsies come to the two most killing cares we have are money and reputation here 
behold gypsy wisdom the disregard of the latter of the two does away with the plague of the former they take what they want while we clumsy fellows toil for the cash as the only way to get the good estimation hence it was that chowne's grandfather came about stealing as lively as ever at the age of ninety a wiry and leathery man he was and had once been a famous conjurer and now in his old age he came to sleep in his grandson's barn and to live on his grandson's ducks potatoes and pigeons this was last harvest time just as chowne was enjoying his bit of cub hunting turning in from his sport one day in a very sulky humour with the hounds he was educating the parson caught his grandfather withdrawing in a quiet manner from a snug little hen-roost not knowing who it was for his mother had never explained a thing to him not even that she was his mother he thought it below his dignity to ride after this old fellow but at his heels stalked a tall young hound who had vexed him all day by surliness and was now whipped in for punishment at him loo boy he called out hike forward catch him by the leg boy but the hound only showed his teeth and snarled so that chowne let out his long lash at him in a moment the dog sprang at his master who was riding a low cob horse and bit him in the thigh and the horse in the shoulder and then skulked off to his kennel the hound was shot and the horse shared his fate in less than six weeks afterwards and as for the parson we know too well what they were forced to do with him in her first horror that stony woman even mrs steelyard when her son came ravening at her could not keep her secret it is the judgment of god she cried after all there is a god he set the dogs at his grandfather and now he would bite his own mother how she had managed to place him in the stead of the real chown heir i never heard or at least no clear account of it for she was not as we know already one who would answer questions let him rest whoever he was his end was bad enough even for him enough of this fright for it was a fright even to me i assure you let us come back to the innocent people injured so long by his villainy to begin with parson jack never in all his life had he taken a stroke towards his own salvation until by that horrible job he earned repentance fear and conscience and not only this for none of these would have stood him in any service with chowne still at his elbow but that the face which had drawn him for years like a lodestone of hell to destruction now ever present in its terror till his prayers got rid of it shone in the dark like the face of a scarecrow if ever he durst think of wickedness his wife found the benefit of this change and so did his growing family and so did the people who flocked to his church in the pleasure of being afraid of him in the roads he might bite but in his surplice he was bound to behave himself or at least he must bite the churchwarden first 
yet no one would have him to sprinkle a child until a whole year was over and then he restored himself under a hint from a man beyond him in intellect he made everybody allow that the poker had entirely cured him by preaching from the bottom of his chest with a glass of water upon the cushion a sermon that stirred every heart with the text is thy servant a dog that he should do this thing i quit him with sorrow because i found him a man of true feeling and good tobacco we got on together so warmly that expense alone divided us he would have had me for parish clerk if i could have seen my way to it what prevails with a man like me foremost first of everything why love of the blessed native land which every good welshman will love me for i may have done a thing now and then below our native dignity except to those who can enter into all the things we look at it is not our nature altogether to go for less than our value we know that we are of the oldest blood to be found in this ancient island and we ask nothing more than to be treated as the superior race should be in the presence of such great ideas who cares what becomes of me i really feel that my marriage to polly and prolongation of a fine old breed scarcely ought to be spoken of a man who has described the battle of the nile need not dwell on matrimony hurried speech does not become me on any subject everybody has the right to know and everybody does know how the whole of north devon was filled with joy talk and disputation as to commodore bampfylde and the brightness of his acquittal they drew him from barnstaple in a chaise with only two springs broken men having taken the horses out and done their best at collar work he would have gladly jumped out and kicked them but for the feeling of their good will nothing would have detracted from this and the feasts that were felt to be due upon it if squire philip had only known how not to die at a time when nobody was seasonably called on to think of death but when he learned the shame inflicted by himself on his ancient race through trusting chowne and misbelieving his brother out of the self-same wound and above all when he learned that chowne was the bastard of a gipsy he cast himself into his brother's arms fetched one long sigh and departed to a better world with his hat on this was the best thing that he could do if he had chosen the time aright and it saved a world of trouble sir philip felt it a good bit of course and so did sir drake bampfylde nevertheless if a living man withdraws into a shell so calmly what can he expect more lively than his undertakers this was good and left room for harry or rather young philip bampfylde to step into the proper shoes and have practice how to walk in them yet he was so caught with love of service and of the navy and so mad about nelson that the general could not help himself but let him go to sea again nelson is afloat just now the crappos and the dons appear to have made up their minds against us and the former have the insolence to threaten a great invasion if i only had two arms i would leave my polly to howl about me as it is they have turned me into a herring colonel lower has raised a regiment and i am first 
drill sergeant our dear maid of scar would also give her beautiful son only six months old bamphile lower bluet to go to the wars and to fight the french if any one could only show her the way to do without him he cocks up his toes in a manner which proves that his feet are meant for ratlines how the war is raging i run to and fro upon hearing of felix farley's journal and am only fit to talk of it sir philip comes down with his best tobacco whenever he stops at candleston and a craft has been built for me on purpose by the old fellow at appledore and her name it is the maid of scar to dance across the channel whenever a one-armed man can navigate colonel lower and even lady bluett have such trust in me that they cross if their dear delushy seems to pine too much for her husband and the maid herself has brought her son as proud as if he came out of a wreck to exhibit him to moxy and roger and bunny and straddling the clerk in a word to all the parish and the extra parochial district now i hope that nobody will ask me any more questions concerning any one male or female if i cannot speak well of a person my rule is to be silent hezekiah found his knavery altogether useless he scraped himself home at last and built a bellows-organ at bridge end with a seventy-four gun crash to it his reputation is therefore up especially since he rejoined the church in all churches that can afford him yet he will not always own that i was his salvation hepzibah prophesies nothing except that polly's little son david llewellyn will do something wonderful to keep the ancient name up it may be so and i think that he will but his father never did it how many chances have i missed how many times might i have advanced to stern respectability yet some folk will like me better and i like myself no less for not having feigned to be more than i am a poor frail fellow the children still come down to the well with three of our bunnies foremost they get between my knees and open blue or brown eyes up at me in spite of roger burkwell's nodding to instil more manners some of the prettiest stroke my white beard coaxing for a story then they push forward little davy thinking that i spoil him so because of his decided genius giving such promise of bardhood already it would do you good to hear him on the jew's harp nevertheless i answer firmly nine times out of ten at least little dears is all i say captain davy is getting old it is hard to tell a tale but easy to find fault with it you tell me that my left arm will grow quite as long as my right one if i only will shake it about and keep a hollow sleeve on my pets when i get another arm i will tell you another story end of chapter sixty eight the end of the maid of scar by r d blackmore